You're listening to R&D in the QC with Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston. Tonight we talk about Amazon, tryptophan, council topics, and guest of the podcast councilman Braxton Winston joins us to talk about a big item of the day, live streaming. Episode 4, Larkin. Are these things starting to really kind of just come real fast and furious at you right now? Can you believe it? I feel like we just did episode three. I was going to ask about if you meant the meetings or the podcast. It was just six days ago, though, because we had our Tuesday meeting based on the holiday weekend. So uh, that might be the time warp you're, you're confused by right now. Man, I, I wonder, you know, maybe we'll go back and listen to old episodes when we're at episode 100. I wonder how well, how the we'll, older statesmen how we'll skeptically view it. We'll be like, man, that what guy amateurs. was so ignorantly young and and uh, unaware of reality and energetic and energetic. Once we're beat down old <laughs> veterans. Welcome to episode 100. We're here in this. Okay, so enough of that. Let's get let's get pumped back up because we've got a big item to talk about first. It's been really the talk of the town for the last week. Amazon. Charlotte isn't prime. What do you think, man? <laughs> I think, like everybody, I was disappointed that Charlotte didn't make the the final list of twenty. Um, but honestly, you know, first of all, we need to to quickly, and I think we as a city have, we need all of our citizens to do the same. Quickly pivot to being excited for Raleigh because the fact of the matter is, if Raleigh manages to pull this off and get the Amazon headquarters, that's going to put dollars in the in the state tax coffers that'll certainly benefit the entire state. So I think we have got to become Raleigh's biggest cheerleaders. Uh, that's my intention, um, and and I know you'll speak more to, to why you feel like Charlotte might have missed out on this one, but uh, we've still got a, a North Carolina city in the running, and and we've got to do anything we can to help them we've, be successful. We've got to get behind them, but I, isn't isn't it a little dangerous to completely get into cheerleader mode for our you know our our partner city down the road? We have to do everything we can help them, but we need to look inward right now and figure out where the disconnect is because I, I've said it a dozen times and I'll say it one more time. I was flabbergasted that Charlotte didn't make a list of 20. I don't I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I think we can... That's your we, favorite thing to say, I, dude. Mutually exclusive and adaptive reuse <laughs> yes. are my favorite two-word yes. phrases. Um, but it's not. I think we can walk and chew gum. We can cheer for them while also kind of looking back internally and saying, where might they have... Where might they have excelled and, and we didn't? and or, or where did we miss out? What are the things that Charlotte doesn't offer a company like Amazon? Or uh, you've brought up that Apple's going to begin looking for their second headquarters. What are the things that they might be looking for that we might not have? And how can we close those gaps? So one of the things that I really uh, dislike at a macro level, and then when you look at this case, it's a perfect example of it, is things that lack transparency for either no reason or it doesn't need to nearly go that far. And people have cited many things. We need to protect the integrity of the competitive process. So I get there are factors like that. But when you look, there are other cities proactively in this process that released their entire submission publicly. We know that New Jersey had over $7 billion incentive package. And while I'm firmly against that, I love that level of transparency. They just didn't care and threw that out there. So as you look it's at the New Jersey t- for you, <laughs> as you look at the progression, don't let my wife hear that, man. She listens to these podcasts. She's from New Jersey. She's from New Jersey. 
Chris, I love you. Liz, man, she's going to be super upset. Anyway, we'll get to that later. But the lack of transparency, the inability for literally anyone to know not only what our pitch looked like, um, but did we tell our story properly? And were the smartest minds in the city and in the region at the table to contribute? We don't know any of that. And then we f- I find out today, and I think the rest of the city is going to be finding out some of these details uh, by Wednesday when, when they're actually released. Amazon did call us, so we do know that. But they called us Thursday, and we found out about it today, right? But when they called us, they said, and, and I'm, I'm giving secondhand information that is not confirmed, but it's from the person who talked to them. They said that there were five categories they thought we did really well. Our airport, transportation, business climate, and growth potential for tech jobs. All thumbs up. But they said, in paraphrasing what I heard, we were not competitive um, because a current number of tech jobs that we have in Charlotte is lower right now uh, from a concentration perspective, citing that there's about 49,000 tech jobs in our area, while someone like Raleigh has 61,000. So there's two things that jump out at me when I see that. And it just further kind of points to the disconnect here, which is one of the 20 cities on that list, at least three of them have a worse, worse count than us on that front. And we're way better in all the other factors as well that I would say. Now, I don't know what our incentive package was, and I don't think that weighs in as much as heavily as many people think. And I have no idea about our sites that we offered, but I do know there were 22, and we couldn't even narrow it down to the one or two we thought were best. But when you put all that aside, my final point, and I'll, I'll, I'll just get you, I know you're going to come back over the top and tell me why I'm wrong on this, but... It doesn't matter if we have 49,000 current jobs and Raleigh has 61,000. It's not about the jobs you currently have. It's about the amount of the 50,000 jobs they're going to be hiring that you can ultimately fill. And it's about pipeline. And I look no further. Yeah, Raleigh has a great value prop with their research universities. And they beat us on that front. And we're going to help them. That'll be great. But my final point to you is this. We're the number one location for millennials relocating in the entire nation. That has to at least flip that one point that we had on the scales far enough over that we make a list of 20? I would think so, too. I mean, I I think it, it's a couple of things. First of all, there's so many factors that go into this for Amazon, and we'll never know exactly what their metric was, exactly how they weighted one category versus another. Um, so a lot of this is speculative. But I do think one of the problems as far as the transparency thing goes is I feel like often we see that – people go, well, we can't, we can't release the whole report or we can't release the whole bid, which is, is completely true. We can't, we would have to redact a lot of the state instead of information. So we don't jeopardize Raleigh's chances. We wouldn't necessarily want to lay every card on the table regarding our incentives, but all, too often people say, well, we, we can't put all that out there. And so their solution is let's put nothing out there. So there are certainly ways, as with all sorts of information that gets released, um, that we can redact the things that would hurt Raleigh's chances, the things that might make us less competitive for the next company, um, and still lay out in a very transparent way to elected officials, to, to the rest of the city staff, to our citizens, um, a lot of how we presented ourselves and how we pitched ourselves to Amazon. And, and again, do that, look into the mirror and see where did we... Where did we miss out? And is it that we are missing something as a city that we can then try to um, create or expand or grow? Um, Or did we just not tell our story the right way? 
Are we missing something in our DNA that we can change, or do we already have it in our DNA? We just didn't do a good job of telling them we did. Are you hearing from people in the community and constituents? I know I'm hearing from a ton, obviously, but I've tried to stay on the forefront because this is one of my issues, one of the things I'm passionate about. Are you hearing from folks uh, that are questioning, you know, across all the involved parties that relate to economic development around here that uh, it might be time for us to not just shine a flashlight on our processes and how we do it, but also start thinking about new leadership? I've not. I mean, I, I think that we as council members uh, all have the things that people consider in our wheelhouse or our, our hot button issues. Obviously, uh, yours with, with your tech background I think this is something people probably bring to you more because they know it's in your wheelhouse in the same way that, um, to harken back to my adaptive reuse joke earlier, you know, if there's something about historic preservation, people know I have that background. Um, if you want to get Larkin's attention via email, just put adaptive reuse in the subject line. So I think people will, will come to us specifically and, and, and Braxton certainly the same, uh, Justin, anybody with the things that they know that, that we maybe quote unquote specialize in. So I think that's why you've probably gotten a, a huge amount of traffic on this. It hasn't been something that a lot of my constituents have brought to the, to the top of the pile, um, but for a few, um, but I do think it concerns everybody. We want to be competitive in, in all things that we pursue as a city. And, we want to have good odds to win yeah. the Apple campus bid. Do we not? Absolutely. And so we have I do to learn from our lessons. So I do think we have to, we have to look back and say, where did we miss here? Again, is it something we are missing as a city or are we just not telling our story right? And we can't do that if there's not at least uh, a, partial if not close to full release of this bid i think there will be over time um you you and i obviously would like to see that accelerated so i think the, the headline tomorrow if anybody's still trying to write their headline out there in the media world is uh as tark mentioned amazon breaks up with charlotte over the phone uh hashtag is charlotte isn't prime mm-hmm, i don't know all right so more to our meeting specifically hold on tonight. before you do that uh speaking of things that are in our wheelhouse I just like to your comment, you know, I'm wondering how much of city staff and those in charge of uh, food and Bev around here listen to our podcast because I feel like they upped their game from meatloaf. They did. So uh, to, to hone in on our meeting tonight specifically, and we will in our second segment get to the, the big hot button uh, front page story tomorrow, which mm. was how we broadcast and how we transmit and, and allow for interaction between citizens and our meetings. We're really calling the front page items here tonight. I we mean, are. I feel well, like we have a gut gut reaction. They're and, uh, they're pretty easy to call. That was that was definitely the hot issue tonight. But one that is probably going to go uncovered by the media. Not is, if I have anything to do. With is it. the food. And so we mentioned last week before our zoning meeting that we had meatloaf and that that might be a bit heavy for a, a long meeting. So we knew tonight was going to be even longer because. Uh, we had pushed six <laughs> rezoning hearings to this week in so, addition to our business meeting, in addition to closed session. So what do they do, Larkin? So, so they what bring, do they do? So they throw tryptophan in the mix. It was a uh, full It was a full Thanksgiving meal. dinner. <laughs> Every, everything but everything but pumpkin pie. We had turkey, gravy, collard greens. The collard greens were amazing, actually. Um, it was... Cranberry sauce. They had cranberry sauce, so this, they were not. There was it was very thinly veiled attempt at trying to put me to sleep after I chastised the meatloaf choice. It didn't work. Uh, they do also provide coffee. I partook in the coffee and I stayed awake through the whole thing. Where do they go from here? I mean, where, where is it like a Nyquil like or pie? or like one of those challenges where people have to try to eat the whole thing in like an hour and it's free. man versus food. Style. Yeah, man versus yeah, food style yeah. meal because I don't think you can beat. Thanksgiving turkey totally and fixins. Um, 
the food was good tonight, but again, we, uh, I, I pointed it out to someone and they said, well, we'd rather you be tired than complaining about being hungry, which we, I would complain about. Um, so I don't know. We've, we've got it. Maybe we need like a subcommittee. I think they're listening to the podcast. That's the only explanation. Now they're screwing us. We'll see, uh, in two weeks at our next meeting, if they really, um, if they're really just toying with us at this point, but I, I'm going to propose we start a food subcommittee and really dig into this. Mm, indeed. Uh, so real quick, go back to where you were going a minute ago before I rudely interrupted, which was uh, the mayor council topics. Well, I wasn't going there, but oh, I will okay. now as to bring it up. Perfect. Um, so one of the things we obviously want to do with this podcast is is break down different components of our meeting uh, and how we go about those and, and help everybody understand them better. So one thing that you've probably seen if you've ever watched a business meeting of the Charlotte City Council, which we have twice a month, would be the, the business meetings, that is, we do council mayor topics. And so basically what that is, there's not a lot of opportunity through the course of our business meetings or our rezoning meetings for us to get on our soapbox and talk about something that we're just personally passionate about. It might not be apropos to anything that we're talking about um, during the course of that meeting, but it's something that we think is important either for our district, for the city, an issue we want to shine light on. And so we did that tonight. And so one of the things that 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 Tarek brought up was something specific to his district. I brought up a program that um, that I had read about in another city in our country and how we might implement that here. Um, so we're not going to recreate that for you in the podcast environment in case you didn't watch the Facebook live stream of the meeting tonight so you can know what what's on Tarek and I's mind tonight. Well, that's a great point. And you know what? Apropos, another, I, I can add this to the Larkin list of things he loves to both say and text uh, and spell spell properly. I had to look up the spelling. So, um, so we got a, an interesting segment number two. Special guest of the podcast coming on here in a sec. Well, you didn't tell him about your CNIP thing. Oh, you, oh I thought. Well, you just skipped over. I your said thing. we're going to recreate it. Oh, we're going to. Okay. Well, uh, my bad. Look. Okay, so uh, Councilmember Bakari, wh- tell us about your council topic tonight. I mean, I was zoned out there. So my topic, really exciting to me. And if you're listening to this, because I'm going to launch it ahead of time, uh, Tuesday, tomorrow morning, the 22nd of January, uh, we have a South Park CNIP uh, workshop, community forum, vision forum. What does CNIP stand for, Tark? Uh, it stands for Community Neighborhood Investment Plan. I, that's close. Unsure. If, if, if wrong, <laughs> it's close. Yes. Uh, that is going on Tomorrow in South Park at the Morrison Library between 10 a.m. 7 p.m. You can drop in at any time. But the two big meetings times where we're going to pump everybody up is at noon and 5:30. We got great presentations, a bunch of cool stuff, food trucks. You can bring the kids and have a story time right after the 5:30 edition. A lot of things. So I'm really trying to get the community to come out there and hear some big ideas and contribute to them. So when we look at right now an aerial photo of South Park like we did the other day from the 90s that I saw from, uh, from staff or from the 60s that our good friend of the pod, Andy Doolin, showed me and he's going to bring tomorrow. Um, and we explain and others explain to us, oh, wow, this was a field and this was that. We can do the same thing 20 years from now to our kids and say, look at what South Park looked like today. So I'm real excited about that. Larkin, what about yours? So we had a guy at the public forum tonight, which was on television, I might add, um, named Gemini Boyd. And he very passionately and very eloquently spoke about uh, how he feels like we need to prioritize helping the people in our community. And that's obviously something we all agree with. Um, but it, it 
something he said triggered a memory of an article I'd read recently, and uh, I pulled it up while we were sitting there in the meeting and brought it to everyone's attention in my council topics um, time slot. And that is something they're doing in Denver, Colorado. It's called the Denver Day Works Program. So anybody who wants some extra reading after the podcast today, I would encourage you to check this out. It's a really cool program in Denver where they've given 284 people, uh, Denver residents who are experiencing homelessness, meaningful work. Uh, in both the private and the public sector. And 110 of those people have actually parlayed that into full-time work. Uh, it, this program has been so successful that Denver has expanded it from a $400,000 budget last year to a $700,000 budget. And so I think it's something that we've all touched on. Um, there's a, a program coming up soon that Center City Partners is putting on to, to talk about how we address homelessness um, in our in our community. I think it's something that we can look into to either expand programs we currently have or create new programs that help us um, chip away at at the things that are, are causing people to experience homelessness in our community and, and give them opportunities, give them purpose, and, and give them a path out of that situation. So I, I think it's a really cool thing, Denver Day Works Program. So check that out. Um, but yeah, so the meeting tonight was really primarily about one thing. And when we come back in segment two, we're going to have a friend of the podcast and fellow council member Braxton Winston with us. He's going to talk about how we broadcast, how we transmit our meetings uh, to the public, to you, the viewer. And that was certainly the big topic tonight. So we will look forward to having you back right after the break. Let's get it on. Fresh out the gate again. Time to raise the stakes again. Fat my plate again. Y'all so welcome back. We've got a friend of the pod back for his second appearance already. We, we promised we weren't going to do repeats this quickly, but we had to make an exception tonight because the hot button issue that's going to be on the front page of all the newspapers front page. all across New the country York tomorrow. Times. But at least the Charlotte Observer. Is, Australian Times. Well, Braxton is big in Australia. He's big there. He's big. I don't know how that happened. He's like Vegemite. I mean, he's really, really popular. No, but Vegemite's only popular in Australia. Braxton's popular everywhere. He's back on us with, back on the pod with us tonight to talk about the hot story tonight, which was whether or not we were going to put the public forum back on television, whether or not we were going to put our meeting back on Facebook Live. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Braxton Winston. Welcome. Good evening. And it is good evening, and it's a fairly late evening. Um, this is something you, uh, and some may not realize this, have been talking about for a while, transparency. Just walk us through kind of a real brief timeline of how we got to tonight. Wow. Well, we we got, I got to tonight. This is this has been a journey since last September, September 2016, um, when we discovered how important uh, live streaming and social media could be um, in terms of the interactions between so many different parties uh, within our city that haven't connected before, but specifically between uh, citizens and their government. Um, it reached a kind of a low point um, after the previous council did some things that removed live streaming of, of the public forums of meetings uh, f from the agenda. Uh, it was an important. Uh, it was a. It was an important thing uh, for the community that I've been existing in. That's really the city of Charlotte. Uh, that we have more transparency. In fact, uh, city council adopted a letter um, that outlined, and I believe gave direction to staff to find more ways of being inclusive. Um, prior to this, what I thought was an exclusive step. Exclusive meaning 
eliminating access from certain groups. Uh, so it was something that not only, I feel like I talked about a lot on the campaign trail, um, but a lot of us did um, because yeah. of, I believe, the increased uh, uh, interest in municipal government from our citizens in Charlotte. So th there were a couple things, and I'll, get, I'll say them and I'll get you guys to respond, that really, I'm just going to outright say it frustrated me in our conversations, not just tonight, but over the last couple weeks. You know, when to me, this is a transparency issue. And when you look at all the debates we had, some people drew frustration on, well, you're bringing this up now like it's an emergency. False. We've been bringing this up for months now. We've been having this discussion for months, which leads me to the second question of, there's, I don't know if it's a, if it's a, yeah, I'll calm down, Larkin. I'll do it. I'll calm down. I just get fired up. Um, it, I don't know if it's a, if it's a generational divide in, in understanding and growing up as kind of a digital native and being part of these things versus not. I don't know what it is, but there was this level of misunderstanding at every corner where we'd say, okay, well this, and what about the interaction? Is that public record or this or that? And I would, I would just kind of cap this point off to say, one, just like it's incumbent upon us to go back and ramp up on the things we don't know, zoning and all of these different things about affordable housing ordinances and different things of that nature, all the incumbents expect us to ramp up on this. They've had weeks and weeks, if not months, of us talking about it. It's their responsibility to ramp up on what the difference between broadcasting and interactive media technologies are. And no one took an interest. And now we're at this point tonight where the bureaucracy is coming down upon us of, well, we need to have more conversations and dialogues. This is no different than what we're already doing just in a venue that more citizens can get to. So I'll toss it back to you guys. Did you share the frustrations I had or was I kind of floating out there on an island? Well, so one thing I think that you touched on is that there was, we were using different vocabularies maybe. There, or there was a, a lack of understanding about the words that were being used to identify and describe the mediums with which we wanted to let people access our meetings and let people access the work we're doing. And so I think that's what belabored the discussion tonight was that we kept trying to get on the same page as to what we were and were not going to be including in our, in our policy that we set forward about how we broadcast and, and create interactive venues and, and ways for people to access these meetings. Um, so that was frustrating. And I think Braxton brought up a, a point um, to us earlier, which is, it's this. This could be indicative of something else, and I, I don't want to say that it's it. It foretells a problem, but I think that we do have to make sure that when we do have understanding gaps, I think between council members, we've got to get on the same page with and, and speaking the same language because it's not just going to be an issue if we're talking different using different vocabularies talking about social media because we're going to have bigger issues to tackle like affordable housing and transportation and, and everything. But and people have to take an interest in the yeah. topic, though, well, in order for that to happen. So I agree. I, there, there was definitely some frustration, and I think it gets to the point that um, when we make a decision as a council, we need to take the time to, to really understand what the decision is that we are coming to. And if we're not sure of it, uh, we have to, to take the time and care to make sure it's clear. Because it goes to, this is going to go to my second point, um, which is 
the system of government that we exist in. We exist in a in a council manager system. So we don't manage the day-to-day -day operations. So it's even more imperative that we give clear direction to our staff for, for what we want them to do. I thought the previous council was very clear in that we want to be more inclusive. Uh, uh, we want to connect more folks out there with what goes on in these buildings. And I think staff has done an excellent job of trying to think of ways to do that. Hence where you get from broadcasting the meetings over a government channel, putting it on YouTube so that there's a sharing option, and then moving forward to, to meet the market where it exists, that people are using Facebook Live to do these things. Uh, so so I think that's what, council, that's what our staff did under direction, um, and that made some people uncomfortable. So I don't necessarily. I think this is something that we need to think about in terms of maybe there are different policies. I think you brought up an excellent point during the dinner briefing that this is a are good conversations to have going forward as we start to think about how do we make our committee meetings more accessible, how do we make our dinner briefings more accessible? Because when you think about it, the only people that were involved in the conversation that we had were basically in that room because our dinner briefings are not are not shared or broadcast with the public. So we have to be clear and we really do have to understand. I don't think it's under our purview uh, to, to decide every single stream type of platform that staff determines is going to be effective. Because again, that's not what is under the purview of a manager um, a council uh, form of yeah, government. Absolutely. And you know, when, when I think back on this entire night, but the entire journey that got us here, one, I don't think I, I, we always on this show, Larkin, look for R&D, Republican, Democrat. Is this a Republican, Democrat, conservative, progressive issue? One, I don't think this is because it, this, is, this is not about big government, small government spending, this and that. To me, this is about transparency versus being, being averse to the transparent nature of it. And I, I have a, a wide open mindset towards this. I didn't hear a single debate on the major factors of we didn't have enough time, which is bureaucracy to me. I'm, I'm worried about, um, um, you know, open uh, uh, record retention laws and, and, and all of those things, which, by the way, that all already happens on all of our social media streams today, or people saying mean things that bother us. Well, guess what? Well, That's just going to happen. And, and, and so, again, this to, to, for point two, there are questions, like, like we said, that, 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 we need, that we should answer going forward. But, again, looking at the structure of our, of our government council manager, we have staff that can help us deal with these things. We have an excellent city's attorney's office that can help us think about yeah. how we deal with public records. We have an excellent communication staff that can, can, can understand how do we archive these things? What tools do we have out there if we unleash them? And that's again why it's so important that we get our decisions clear as we are guiding this staff on how to do the things that we want them to do. I think this also is, is a bit indicative of two more overarching things. One is that oftentimes our fears are based in a lack of understanding. And so one of the things that we that I think was not clear to some members who had concerns until the very end of the discussion was that the implications they thought would be uh, included in this for them personally are were not necessarily the case if they did not share this live Facebook feed on their own um, channels. So again, I think um, oftentimes lack of understanding leads to fear. But also, I think the more uh, an overarching thing that, um, that that covers a lot of topics is 
oftentimes we in the in local government and, and in government at all levels deal with rules that were written a long time ago. And it's hard oftentimes for our attorney or for us or for anybody to interpret those through a modern lens because when these rules were written, obviously social media didn't exist. The internet didn't exist. So we have to constantly look at those rules and say, how do those apply now? How can we update those to be more accurate based on the world we live in today? And and so there is some ambiguity to it because the rules were written in a different era with it's different the technologies. Difference the letter and the spirit. What was the spirit of it versus the letter that they wrote it in at that point in time when... I guess, you know, people were using the... Tablets. Yeah. Ta- carving into tablets. Carving into tablets. Which it, then became public so, record. So, so as a final point to cap this off, let, let me just, let me just ask, pose this question to you guys. Can anyone argue the success when you look at the metrics of what we accomplished tonight that wouldn't have been accomplished otherwise? And by that I mean over 100 people either commented, uh, reacted, or shared this post and... Well over 4,000 people viewed this that wouldn't have otherwise. Is there any argument to be made other than complete success from a decision we forced earlier today? I, I Again, this is one of the things I say. I, I think democracy works better when more people are involved. And I think tonight was a good day, good night for democracy in Charlotte. I, I, Larkin, Meet the people where they are. The people are on Facebook. Let me ask you a question. I'll ask this to you, Larkin, because I know you'll push back hard on me. But... There's some, I don't even know how to frame this, but there's some part of me that almost feels a little bit of like tingly awe deep inside that we finally, as as a new class membership, came in here and, you know, we've been figuring out protocol and process and getting shut down at every corner. We finally came together on one topic for the first time and said, no, we're not going to talk about this anymore. And we use that power that we have of collaboration and connectivity yet explaining ourselves and still being respectful to the other council members to say this decision is going to be made today. I won't push back too much other than I don't want it to be painted too much as an us versus them because uh, we should acknowledge that uh, two of our veteran colleagues voted with us. Exactly. So it was not uh, along new or returning member uh, lines in that in that regard. Um, But I do and, and I will also qualify that with the fact that this is not something we did on a whim today because I do think although we could say that the the under 40 members have the power to do that because they have six votes if if we're all in alignment on certain issues that is not the way we have demonstrated that we will operate we're not going to come in on a Monday morning and have some wild hair of an idea that we got Sunday night and then jam it through uh, this is something that's been discussed for two months. So no one listening to this should think we exerted power as new council members or under 40 council members to do something just out of the blue. This yeah. wasn't out of the blue. Uh, Braxton's been talking about this since before we were installed. So th- I, w- I will say I-, I have no qualms about the way things went down tonight, and I think that we're, we're better off now than we were yesterday. Uh, on that note, Braxton, why don't you take the final word on this? I just want to thank my colleagues. I really do. Um, This was a fine example of working together um, to get clarity on what we were trying to communicate. And and, and really, uh, I think we we did a great job of of going out and engaging the people. While we did have uh, personal views on this issue, I think, uh, it was backed by the will of the people that we represent. And really, that's what I'm most proud of. So thank you uh, to my colleagues and thank you uh, to my constituents. 
All right, so once again, we want to thank friend of the podcast, Braxton Winston, for joining pod. us again, uh, taking time off from his daily, or his, his very busy daily Australian media uh, tour he has to do. You know, have you been hanging out with uh, a lot of uh, pro uh, sport athletes lately, by the way? Uh, well, I, real quick, I do want to explore ways that we can leverage all of our uh, community members uh, to attack big issues. Um, and yes, I have been trying to uh, reach out to athletes, and they've been quite receptive. Don't get all serious on um, this question, man. I we mean, know you've been hanging out with some high-profile guys. You know where we're going with this. You're going to have a clothing line soon. Check my Instagram. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode four of R&D and the QC has come to its conclusion. We appreciate y'all joining us. We will be off next week because we've got our board retreat in Durham uh, where we'll be getting to know each other even better. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, everybody. Over and out. You're listening to R&D in the QC with Tariq Bakari and Mark and Eggleston. <laughs>